Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution. And today, delighted to be your podcast host. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse, the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. What more could you ask without you having to hire more staff programmers, or technologists. If you haven't done it lately, do yourself a big favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of their award-winning software today. Today's podcast, um, a little bit different, um, but we're looking at business and we're looking at your agency and we're looking at how you can increase um, income, profits, and ultimately valuation. A little bit different in that my guest is from outside the industry. It happens from time to time. But in this case, I was pursuing an expert in uh, a topic that, well, it just requires, it has its own area of expertise, pricing. And uh, I chose somebody who I'd been a fan of for a long time. I've read his books and uh, had the opportunity to reach out, and we have had the opportunity to do some preparation for this conversation. He's worked in the insurance industry before, um, and frankly, I think he's got some um, profound messages to deliver to uh, the agency system, and, and I really want to encourage agency principals. There are a few serious writer downers. There's some serious messages that are worthy of notes and then ultimately worthy of doing something about it. So uh, a word or two about my guest, Dr. Reed Holden. He's um, author, coach, founder of Holden Advisors, um, a world-class business-to-business pricing expert who helps clients build go-to-market strategies that leverage the very essence of their organization to drive price leadership. He's the co-author of Pricing with Confidence, 10 Ways to Stop Leaving Money on the Table, uh, one of the top-selling pricing books in the world. He also co-wrote The Strategy and Tactics of Pricing, uh, which is in its uh, third edition right now. And um, his uh, work has appeared in the Harvard Business Review, Marketing Management, the Journal of Business Strategy, the Journal of Managerial Issues, the Conference Board Review, the Journal of Professional Pricing, Sales and Marketing Management, and frankly, I could go on and on. He's a frequent keynote speaker at uh, Fortune 500 events, and uh, today focuses his attention on the independent insurance agency. Um, a number of issues that we talk about that are of, I really think of critical importance. Uh, uh, one of the things that made this conversation interesting uh, for me and for Dr. Holden is that insurance agents, uh, for the most part, like other industries, uh, fundamentally, you don't set your own price. However, 
You have uh, influence over how you present the price. You have influence over uh, which proposals or uh, which um, uh, carriers or products you choose to represent. And so, in fact, you have, like other industries where you don't set your own price, you have tremendous influence over price. You have tremendous influence over the way your customer or prospect perceives the price. And you have tremendous influence over how uh, your proposals are, um, how they become attractive, um, how they become um, uh, ultimately the choice that your customer and prospect makes year after year. So we cover a lot of topics related to price in a short period of time. The four kind of insurance shoppers today um, and which ones are most desirable and which which one of those fours you probably just want to run away from. You just want to end the conversation with. Um, and then uh, we he shares some fascinating research on um, the uh, the hidden profit killers that are uh, within your existing book of business and then uh, presents some just flat out tactical, practical ways to overcome the price bugaboo to um, uh, uh, overcome the, the inclination of a lot of customers who think that they're about to have a conversation about price. um, And it's really ultimately not the conversation that they want to have and so he talks about how to um, get into the the deeper issues and the deeper psychological needs of the customer and what your team should say when somebody calls and they ask for one more free quote. So um, this is an important conversation. And what I really want to encourage you to consider this one like a master class, not just a podcast where you say, gosh, that was interesting, but there's some things here that are strategic and there's some things here that are tactical and there are a number of things that you can simply execute. So I will encourage you to listen carefully, uh, make the critical decisions, and then you choose which elements of this conversation you'll put into play in your agency. So um, it is my pleasure now, without further ado, to invite you to listen to this uh, conversation with my guest, pricing expert, Dr. Reed Holden. Reed Holden, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. As I mentioned to you a moment ago, I have a puppy, a new puppy this weekend. And so (laughs) I might be sleep deprived, but I'm also happy. So (laughs) it's always a joy to bring home a pup. We can talk about perfect puppy pricing. Yes, perfect puppy pricing, uh, which uh, I I think uh, during the pandemic, I have a feeling the puppy pricing went way up because I know that it did for me. It did. Uh, So this is an unusual, a little bit of an unusual conversation. You're the first expert in the field of pricing that I've ever invited to be a guest on the podcast. And I think that to a large extent, pricing is, well under-considered um, and undervalued as a um, strategy, as a profit-making strategy, because the, you know, the listeners of this podcast are uh, typically independent insurance agency principals, and they don't set their own price, right? They don't, they don't, um, 
Uh, you know, they're, they're not like the manufacturer or the retailer or, you know, what have you, who like, you know, creates a product and then has to go through this very difficult process of figuring out how to price it. They're really largely given the price. And yet, uh, price is, and to some extent has become, um, a, uh, an, a, um, an issue of critical importance because one, in so many cases, uh, agents are presenting uh, price in a competitive environment. And two, there is, um, I, I think, a growing uh, sense because of the, the drumbeat of advertising that pricing is the distinguishing characteristic for a lot of insurance. And so to some extent, um, it's commoditized. And so we've got an unusual situation where uh, agents are not, uh, they don't create the price. I don't think they're typically trained in price presentation. Um, and yet, as you're aware, price is so critical for um, uh, uh, the, the profit, right? Um, and it's a tricky and difficult issue in uh, the, the competitive environment. So Thanks for joining us today. That's, that, that's the preamble for why I think this is a, both a kind of difficult but interesting conversation. So, Reed, if you would, uh, you're, you, you are one of the premier pricing experts in the country. I'm a fan of your work. I've read your book on pricing. Um, so, if you would, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Reed Holden. I um, uh, deal with pricing and many other things. Um, and the reason for that is... Um, while pricing is the tip of the iceberg, it's often the other things that drive the um, impact of pricing. And I know you want to talk about pricing presentation, but um, I hate to do this to you. I'm going to talk about some of those other things as well, if you don't mind. Okay. No, I'm excited about that. All right. So let's go for it. Um, what, what do you do in an environment like this? How does uh, how does the entrepreneur consider pricing as a as a strategy in their favor as opposed to merely a problem that they have to deal with in competitive situation? Yeah, you know it's interesting. I, I, I tell you a couple of things. First of all, um, uh, if my guess is a lot of the senior leadership for the agencies might be listening to this, and my first message is going to be the senior le leadership. And that is, if they're getting too involved in price, they're making a serious mistake. Um, and the reason for that is, if they're getting involved in price, it's probably to bring the price down. And, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, usually, that's usually a prime activity that's not good. The second thing is, let me give you a piece of data and let's play with that for a little bit. And uh, this is data based on our research, um, which was actually, you know, one of these real academic studies um, that took a good look at markets. And um, I will tell you that that research agrees with one other company that has done a fair amount of research in the subject. And that is, this is the data in any market between 25 and 30 percent of its customers. That's B2B or B2C are going to be what we call price buyers. That is people or organizations who really want to buy based on price. Now, here's another thing to think about. As the user's perception of risk goes up, 
that number goes down. Insurance is a perceived risk area. Therefore, I would expect the number of actual price buyers to actually be quite low. Uh, well, in some ways, even 25 to 30% seems relatively low. Now, uh, so let me, let me ask you a question about this. Do you think that's, do you think that's true? And let's divide the industry into a couple of chunks. Um, the consumer, the uh, personal lines insurance where, uh, some the consumer purchases home you know, insurance for their home insurance for their car or commercial lines insurance where they purchase for their business. Um, it, it, it would seem that, uh, first of all, it's a, it is a product that a lot of people just don't want, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, I can't wait to buy insurance today, Where, which is different than a lot of other products, right? A lot For a lot of products, people wake up and say, yeah, I can't wait to use that. I'm excited about that. Nobody gets excited about insurance. So uh, I, I'm wondering if in this market, the number could conceivably be higher than 25 to 30% because it's a forced product. But who knows? You know, maybe you know. Um, and the, obviously, uh, there's a tremendous amount of advertising these days that focuses around price. Yeah, and the, and, and they do that to get people to, to look at them. And uh, the the problem is once they look at them, um, how they deal with them. And we'll talk about that in a second. But but to get back to your comment. Um, that implication says that my numbers may be wrong. I will admit that my numbers may be wrong, but if they're wrong, it's because the actual numbers are lower. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, are correct. You, are, you are correct that insurance is a forced product in many environments. It's not forced, a forced product for a 21-year-old couple um, or individual that suddenly finds themselves in an apartment and um, realizes that they've got, you know, $10,000 worth of stuff in that apartment that they want to insure. And, and, and that's where it starts. Business is different. Business is more sophisticated, but that sophistication causes them to rely on the expertise of the broker. Okay. Which means so, in both cases, they're going to be less price sensitive. All right. So let's talk about, uh, for a moment, let's talk about uh, the inbound call comes from a consumer who says, uh, I want a quote for my car. Let's just start with that one. And the customer service representative finds three or four quotes and maybe says, well, here's the, you know, the best one I can give you. This is right. So uh, talk about how the pricing expert would approach that situation. Not, not every sale is a sophisticated one. So let's break them into chunks. Take the simple one. Well, the, the, the response at the get-go is wrong. Someone, someone, calls up, someone calls up looking for a price. The question is, the, the response is, oh, are you looking for the absolute lowest possible price because we are not that company? Got okay? it. Now, yeah. there, is an, there is an exception to that. If, in fact, you want to be the GEICO of the local community, you can try to do that but you will never be able to compete with the high volume, low price guys that, that don't provide the service 
that you may want. I mean, I've, I've looked at it going to a place like Geico. I could probably save some money if I go to Geico. But I, I hear these horror stories about how they haven't covered losses, and it, it causes me to stick with my agent. Ah, okay. So you purchase from an agent. I do. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So what are the other uh, considerations? Uh, you know, as uh, as. Let, let, uh huh. Let, I want to go. I want to go back to the point that point of the first um, uh, uh, call. If if someone calls and asks you for a price and you give them a price, you miss the opportunity to find out what they're really looking for. And rarely are they going to be looking for the lowest possible price. What they're looking for is they're looking for someone they can trust who's going to help them deal with these 20-page documents that are called insurance policies. I haven't read an I don't think I've ever read an insurance policy. I rely on my agents to take care of me. What most people want, especially when they're starting out, is they want to deal with someone who can take care of them. Now, there are those that are looking for convenience. And the convenience guys may very well go to the Geico's. The question is, how long will they stay with the Geico's? Right. Do they have loyalty? Yeah, so let me ask you this question. So you've identified three possible shoppers. Uh, the price shopper, the convenience shopper, and I think in what in this industry we'd call and what Bain calls the peace of mind shopper. Mm -hmm. um, I think the research supports that the peace of mind shopper, if you learn their earn their loyalty, um, will uh, reward you basically reward you the best. They they will. Uh, stay with you longer. They will purchase more insurance. They will refer more of their friends and colleagues. Uh, typically, yeah. the price shopper uh, in in most industries to, and the convenience shopper do they churn at a higher rate? Um, uh, so I have to uh, back you off a second there. Um, um, I am very familiar with the work that Fred Reichel has done at Bain. Um, uh, Bain is, by the way, a partner of ours. They're a good company. Uh, I right. do not uh, use their model because I don't think it really provides the detail that you need. Um, uh, we deal, we, uh, the model that we use is one that really works. And because it, what it does is it works in both the um, 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 consumer and the business environment. There, uh, we identify four types of buyers. The price buyer wants the absolute lowest possible price. The relationship buyer is the one who wants the relationship and the relationship buyer wants to be able to trust the um, uh, the broker or whoever is providing, including Geico. The other two buyers are important. The value buyer is the one who may just start looking for an insurance policy, and they're looking for value. They may lead with price, and the correct conversation will lead them to a conversation about value. What are you really looking for in an agent? And, and, and that's what you need to train your um, uh, customer service people to have a conversation with. It's not difficult to do, uh, but that's something you can do. The fourth type of ply, uh, uh, buyer is the important one, and that is the poker player. The poker player will decide they want to do business with an agent or a broker 
and then go and, 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 and check everyone else and find out what the lowest possible price is, and they'll take that lowest possible price back to the broker. We call them poker players. We see some industries where 90 to 90% of the buyers are poker players. Wow. Okay. So how do you deal with the poker player? You bluff. There are a couple, okay. there are a couple, of, easy, a couple of easy ways to deal with the poker players. First of all, you have to recognize they're playing poker and recognize that they're bluffing you. The way you, the way you bluff a poker player is as follows. They come to you and they say, okay, you know, it's a thousand dollar policy. Um, um, you know, we've got someone at $800 and uh, we want you to um, uh, do it at $800. Now, the first question you have to ask yourself is whether or not you can really meet that $800. But if you're going to meet that $800, you're going to take something away. And you have to take something away that's important to that buyer. You know, it may be, okay, yeah, absolutely. We can meet $800, but uh, we're going to have to move your $500 deductible to a $10,000 deductible, which is going to scare most people. But that conversation gets them thinking about the value that you offer in what you do. Maybe the answer is, we want an $800 policy. Maybe the answer is, oh, I'm sorry, you're not in a select customer group. Try that sometimes. Oh. I, we, 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 used to, we, we unfortunately deal with customers we've been dealing with for a long time, so we don't get many new people coming in, and that's a capacity issue at this point. But, you know, I, I, we're mostly in business, but we've had companies call us, we want you to bid on this. We say, we won't. I'm sorry, I won't. Well, what do you, you know, they call back a month later. says, what do we have to do to do business with you? says, you have to tell us you <laughs> want to do business with us. And so, so we have those four buyer types, Michael, to help us understand who we're really dealing with here. You want to talk about pricing, but in order to get to good pricing, you have to have an understanding of what the agenda of your customer is. And you have to have a conversation with them that will begin to reveal the kind of customer they are. And just giving price, it just when someone asks for a price, just giving that price is never going to be the right answer. Never going to be the right answer. Okay, so it, oftentimes the prospect attempts to frame the conversation. I'm calling because yeah. I want a quote on X, right? And so um, the, the the salesperson can um, follow that frame, can get stuck in that frame. And I think you're suggesting, no, you've got to have a conversation to go deeper than that. Yeah, and uh, you know, so um, controlling the dialogue is what, what we're talking about, especially if it's a phone. If, it's, if, it's a, if, if you're dealing with a commercial client, you, you never want to do that. You, you mean, you, you want to sit, let's have, a, let's have a sit down and have a conversation. What do you want here? When they say we want a price, what do you want here? All I want is a price. Thank you very much. We suggest you go on to the Geico website. Well, we tried Geico. Well, what happened when you tried Geico? Well, they wouldn't cover this. Well, now you want to talk about it. Now you have something to talk about, and that's the value that we can provide as an agency. All about having the right conversation. 
Um, I may not have the up-to-date list of your pricing rules, okay? I, th I have an earlier version of your book, Reed, I think. You've got 10 yeah, rules no. now, but I think I've got the book. I've got uh, the version that's got eight. But I assume that this rule is still an important one. It's your rule number two. Understand your value to your customer. Yes. Talk about that one a little bit. Well, let's let's continue this conversation of the you know what do you want it to be a 21 year old who contacted you. Um, um, you, you? You have to understand what it is someone is looking. For. You have to understand the type of person you're dealing with, the type of company, and that that four person that four different buyer type grid works works for us works for our clients. Okay, then you have to understand what it is they're really looking for. And then you worry about whether or not you can meet what they're looking for. And it takes a conversation to find out what they're looking for. And your ability to meet that is going to begin to define the value. What are you looking for? I'm looking forward to a, for a broker I can trust. All right, we've never met before. There's no way you're going to trust me. So what do I have to do? So, well, let me, you know, tell you what some of my problems are. And you begin having conversations, which indicates that you as a salesperson, broker, customer service guy, whatever you're talking about, have, have first of all, an interest in what their needs are. Most brokers don't do that. Second of all, is able to craft a solution that meets their needs at a fair price. That's that in my word, in my world is providing value. All right. Um, so, so I want to move on to your rule three, because this one is captures my curiosity. Apply one of three simple pricing strategies. Yep. Okay. What are they? Uh, skim penetration and neutral pricing. Neutral, okay. neutral pricing says you're going to price close to other people. Uh, skim says you're going to price high to the, relative to the competition, and penetration says you're going to adopt a low price strategy. Low price strategy only works for companies that either are able to have the absolute lowest cost or are able to get the customer on board and tra transition them to being a higher value, higher price customer. Neutral pricing says you're not going to make pricing a decision process so you match prices of other people around. If you're a smart broker that's focusing on the relationship, you adopt a skim pricing strategy that says we're going to we're going to add a lot of value as a broker. We're going to charge a fair price for that, and it's going to be higher than some of the other brokers that don't charge um, uh, that don't um, provide the value that we do. And the reason I'm I'm going to make a presumption here, but I'm assuming that the reason has to do with your rule number five, price to increase profits. Is that part of the thinking there? Yeah. So so obviously profit is important to every single business, every single industry. And in our industry, it is one of the drivers of the ultimate valuation, which is a, a critical issue. Uh, also, you know, what is what's my agency worth the day that I sell it? And so uh, I would assume if somebody's going to play the uh, price game and do it the wrong way year after year and kind of allow their team to continually sell to the price buyer and always sell the lowest, that, that, that has a, a long-term deleterious effect on the value of the agency. 
Well, yeah, it, and it all it all depends on what the what the um, uh, the guy the person who runs the agency is trying to do. There are some agencies who have made a lot of money with that, and that is they fill the agency the agency up with a bunch of clients, and then they you know they sell to someone who's willing to pay on a per client basis uh, because they don't have a sophisticated due diligence. That's a that's a good short term strategy. It's worked for a lot of guys. <clears throat> The um, alternative strategy, if you want to build something that's going to last for a while, uh, the low price strategy is problematic for that company. And, um, you know, getting to this issue of making money with your customers, I think a lot of agents, if they did a really good cost analysis on their customer base, they would find that a large percentage of them are not providing them profits. There is a thing in that chapter, we talk about a thing called the 2225 rule. And it's an important one to think about. Um, uh, uh, Robert Kaplan, the father of activity-based costing and a couple of other guys did research in multiple companies. And they find that in most cases, 20% of their customers give them 225% of their profits. That says, that a lot of their customers aren't providing profitability. Well, it seems to me the implication of that is that a lot of the customers are absorbing profit. Bingo. And uh, and typically, I, I think you're right. It, if an agency has some thousands of customers, it would be really pretty unusual, for, uh, I think, uh, for them to have done, performed an analysis that determines which of my customers are profitable and which are not. How would you suggest going about that? Easy. Take your customer service team and have them, you know, let's say they've got 10,000 customers. I have them identify if, if, let's say you have, you know, 20 people in the customer service arena, identify the, each of you identify five customers that are your biggest pains in the neck. They'll be able to do that. They'll probably give you more than more than that. And then you investigate why those guys are pains in the neck. They're consuming all, they're consuming a bunch of resources, and um, um, they aren't paying for themselves. So you th then you have to go back to rule number one, which is learn to draw a line in the sand of who you're giving low prices to, and fire a percentage of your customers. When you do that, you discover that at least 50% of those customers come back to you at a more profitable level. And the ones that you've lost, you are losing money on anyways. So you start with the customer service people. And the reason for the explanation is to recognize that there's a linkage on how you do this. Customer service people identify their pain in their customers. We were working with one, one company, this is probably a $10 million company a few years ago. And um, they, had, they had a customer, their biggest customer was an absolute pain in the neck. Absolute. I mean, people were in tears dealing with this customer. I was talking to the president, said, fire the customer. She goes, we can't afford to do that. I said, you can't afford not to do it. So she fired the customer. And I, we, we did follow-ups for probably two years, and it took them two years to recover from that. But they suddenly were making a bunch of money and were very happy with the customers they had and were growing because they didn't have that boat anchor pulling them down. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to ask you another question about pricing. Um, and and um, again, so the uh, let's assume the agent's not establishing the price, but perhaps they have two or three um, quotes that they're able to deliver to their prospect. Um, what advice or wisdom would you say about how to present pricing to a prospective customer? Good question, um, especially a prospective customer. Um, uh, the best way to present pricing, let's say you've got three um, uh, insurers that you're presenting um, and you're going to have a range of prices, let them make the choice, but also make a recommendation as to which one would be the best for them, given what you know about what their needs are. That is, way, that is the way you start building trust with customers. And trust is, I want to make sure I'm correct here, trust is the most important decider of uh, developing uh, customers, uh, relationship customers, and actually value customers. So, so walk me through that again. Uh, so let's say I'm the agent, I've got three prices, you're my prospect. Um, we've had some conversations. I know that you care about protecting your what have you. Do I present them all at once? So, do I present the, Is there a sequence or an order? Okay, so, or do you think it doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 sequence and order. Yeah, there's all sorts of research done on sequencing right. and ordering. Uh, but the, the big effects, Michael, is let me, let me give it to you. Said, so, you know, you've asked me, uh, you know, to insure the home with, um, you know, this valuation and this deductible and you don't want rental cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have three prices for you. I have a, you know, $1,500 price. I have a $1,700 price and I have a $19, $100 price. Uh, you're going to do what you want. My recommendation is that you not go with a $1,500 price because they, we have clients that have had problems with these people. And you're, in the end, you're not going to be happy with them. If you're in this situation, the $1,900 supplier would be worthwhile for you. You are not in that situation. Therefore, we recommend you go with a $1,700 price. Now, okay, so in your scenario, did you go with the middle one um, strategically? Is that... Uh, yes. So the yes, so uh, is the purpose of the uh, higher price to provide uh, the principle of contrast. Um, yeah, I you know first of all, uh, so so let's back up a little bit. If you have someone contacting you who is a poker player, you want to find that out fast, okay? right? If it's a price, it's a price buyer. You don't you really don't want to deal with them because it's not going to work for the organization. Because uh, they, they waste waste your time. <clears throat> if it's a value buyer, if it's a relationship buyer, they're going to start as a value buyer. In starting with a value buyer, you have to understand what they're looking for. You make a presentation to them based on what they're looking for. They aren't looking for the low price provider, but you want to have someone in the mix so they recognize that. It's nice to have a higher value framing device that makes them think that $1,700 price is a fairer 
price and you have done diligence with the different um, um, insurers that are going to be in their best interest. Got it. I don't care. I don't care if you're selling to a consumer or if you're selling to a business. Okay, so you're that's that seems like it's a model that's fairly easy to uh, adopt and could be used in really almost universal situations. So, um, I, I you the, the 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 listeners can't see this. We have a model on the back of a business card. First rule of business is keep it simple. I'm stupid. And uh -huh. um, the model, it, it, you know, the, I, I, I'm not one of these guys that has to jam his model down everyone's throat, but, you know, we use this model literally all over the world and it works. It works in, you know, in China, it works and we actually right. developed it in Australia and it goes all over the world now. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I have uh, one last question for you. Um so to decommoditize the product insurance, you, you've spoken a lot about um, delivering value and th that connection between value and price is obviously deeply integrated. How do you recommend what kinds of things can an agency do to demonstrate that value? Sometimes we have a little bit of time. Sometimes we have more time. Um, and and I, I know that there can be two really credible agencies, excellent agencies that deliver tremendous value. And, and sometimes one is able to simply uh, show it in a way that gives confidence and clarity. And the other one might have the value, but th they haven't really structured it. How, how uh, can an agency demonstrate or clarify the value above and beyond the price and the product itself? By communicating in simple terms, simple issues, not mm. a 40 page contract. I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> I don't care how sophisticated people are. I don't care what business you're in. Um, being able to communicate simply in a way that makes people feel as though you care about them is what developing relationships is all about. Uh, big words, eliminate the big words, eliminate, eliminate the 30 page proposals, <clears throat> get, get, get real, get down, tell the story of why you can do, you think you can do better for them. Okay. Well, you, you said it, uh, uh, in a way that is both simple and powerful, do it simply in a way that shows you care. And it's, I, I yes, think, I, well, I, you know, as I contemplate that, Reed, I think it would be really hard to show you care in a complicated way. Yeah. Right. And, and to some extent, um, perhaps, you know, one of the roles of the agent or the broker is to simplify because we are representing the 40 page contract, which even the most sophisticated buyer is not reading. Right. right. And so uh, to a large extent, um, this is, this sounds like a platitude, um, but I think it's absolutely true that insurance is a relationship business, but I think most people miss the mark on that. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about here really is relationship, showing people that you care. 
and satisfying a, a psychological need that they have to be uh, to know that they're protected. But they really never will be. It's so rare. I mean, I, out of your uh, you know, there, there's there's no fifth type of buyer you've got, the sophisticated buyer, right? The one who's actually going to read. Most people are. I mean, so, some will be in maybe every single category, but the, um, you know, the most people, that they, uh, the amount of time that they're willing to commit to, um, you know, it, it stops before they read the policy. Well, and, you know, as a point, the sophisticated buyer, um, as a general rule, the real sophisticated buyer is either going to be the price buyer, the true price buyer, because they have the ability of understanding the difference between the different policies, or it's going to be the value buyer. You've got to be sophisticated to be a value, a real value buyer. But a lot of people that want the relationship or don't know they need the relationship will start on the price or value side because they don't know any better. Don't know where it, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Got they, it. Don't, they don't know any better. So you're gonna fix that. Got it, all right. Um, well, Reed, uh, I appreciate you spending time with us today. Uh, let me ask you one last question, okay? If you, if you were gonna like boil the essence of your work with pricing, which you've done for some decades now, um, and deliver a message to the insurance industry, particularly to those, um, let's say, my listeners who have to deliver a price every single day, day after day, what message would you deliver to them? Stop it. Stop. Deli okay. And, and, and stop and, delivering a price. I mean, uh -huh. I mean let's, let's back up and look at, the, look at what the real message is. If they're delivering prices all the time, they're in a race to the bottom that they aren't going to win. So they got to stop it. First of all, they have to stop that. Second of all, you have to start getting your people who contact inquiries and your existing customers to get better at not providing answers, but asking questions, which are going to help them understand the customers. They got to stop the knee jerk reaction, ask questions, ask simple questions. What are you looking for here? Got it. Okay. Brilliant. All right. <laughs> so I'm, I will not, suggest, not by the way, people, pe people should read your book, Pricing with Confidence. But if, if uh, listeners wanted to find out more, um, do more research, or even reach out to you, Reed, how should they do that? The uh, uh, best way is uh, we have a website, um, which is holdenadvisors.com. My email is rholden at holdenadvisors.com. And uh, just do a web search, you'll find it. Books are available at Amazon. And I, you know, I, I love it when people reach out. So have them reach out. Would love to. Okay. And I know you've also got another book and another area of expertise, which is related, which is, uh, uh, I think your book is Negotiating with Backbone. That's correct. And, and that, by the way, came out of pricing. Um, <clears throat> we had a client in um, Australia that was having trouble with pricing. And uh, we discovered they didn't have a pricing problem. They had a, a negotiating problem. Uh, and that led to the, uh, the, you know, the negotiating with Backbone book, which does a much better job of characterizing the different buyer behaviors uh, from a sales perspective. 
Got it. All right. Well, Reed, thanks so much for spending time with us and illuminating us on the, um, oh, it's a bit of a dark art. I mean, unlike a lot of my listeners, I've been in the business of creating my own product and therefore having the difficult challenge of figuring out what we charge for this thing. And it's, it's hard. Um, but I don't think that, uh, I think uh, the conclusion that I've come to with this conversation is uh, is the fact that agents don't set their own price. It doesn't make it easier. They still have to deal with it. And they have to deal with it. Um, they really should deal with it skillfully. Yeah, and, you know, the, the this this whole thing about it's hard, My the fact is you're going to get over that. Um, you know, you, yeah. you're, you're, you're in, you're in business for a reason. You want you and your people to feel good because you're doing good things for your customers. Uh, you've got to identify those customers who want good things done to them. Um, you have to prove yourself over time, um, on a continual basis, especially with the, with the existing customers, cause you want to retain them. And when you do that, you have a right to charge a fair price for the things that you do. Well said. All right, Reed. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, perhaps we'll have another conversation in the future about negotiating with Backbone. We'll see. And good luck with the puppy, Mike. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.